0: is continued from a previous program.: Don't sort out that type of issue that way. Next commandment: thou shalt slow down. <laughs> That's a good one. Slow down, take it easy. Take your time. Next commandment: thou shalt heed the warning signs, and goodness knows there can be plenty of them in life. If you're in a relationship, romantic love will make you blind. They say love is blind. Well, let me tell you something. Agape is not blind. Agape loves 2020. Agape love sees everything, understands everything and accepts everything. But romantic love is totally blind. Can't see a thing, won't accept a thing. Oh, it'll be okay. It will all be all right. We can't go down that road. You heed the warning signs in any relationship. Our friend of mine I was due to meet him one day and I knew the guy very well. He had just got engaged. He was going to get married. He told me all about his girlfriend. I was excited. I thought this sounds great. I went down and she was horrible. She was nasty. She was, do you know what? She, she was bitter. Bitter. And she undermined him countless times, just in a casual conversation. She was undermining him. She was, oh, just not good. I remember leaving that and thinking, that's a warning sign. (laughs) Hello, are you going to marry her? You're crazy. She's a nasty piece of work. (laughs) He did marry her. He did marry her. And he divorced her in what was a very, very, very bitter divorce. You saw the signs of that way back then. Why did you not heed the sign? Oh, I see. Romantic love. Went too far in the physical relationship, was it? Went too far in the physical relationship and then the shutters come down and you can't see anything. Eros again. Romantic love getting carried away, shutting down your brain. No good. You need to look for the warning signs. You need to respond to those warning signs in all sorts of ways. Physical abuse. Look, if if you've been going with a guy for a year or something, and maybe the guy's got a bad temper or whatever. And you find yourself in some situation and he gives you a push or something. Listen, if he pushes you when you're dating, he's going to be punching you when you're married. Do you get it? Now you can say, oh, he didn't mean it. Or he just bumped me. Oh, I don't think so. You've got to watch that. That is a warning sign. You do not have to put up with that. Don't heed it. Sorry, heed it. (laughs) Heed it. Respond to it. Don't be blind to it. Don't be blind to it. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. If he's putting too much pressure on you, sexually. If you loved me, you would. Would what? (laughs) If you loved me, you wouldn't. If you loved me, you wouldn't be putting pressure on me. If you loved me, you would stand back. If you loved me, you would accept those things. If you loved me, you'd be standing before God, and this wouldn't be happening. Come on. Mm. Sexual pressure. It's a bad sign. If you've lost all your friends, that's a really bad sign. One person comes into your life and 20 people leave. It's the wrong guy. Right? But that happens, you know. This guy comes in or this girl comes in. All of a sudden, your mom and dad aren't talking to you. You lost your best friends. And everybody's saying, no! except you. It's a bad sign. and something you need to heed and realize this is probably the wrong person. And very common one, but equally important one, is verbal abuse. This is particularly common from men to women. I don't know if you remember, there was a film, Educating Rita. How many remember that? Must be getting old. This was a good, good, good film, very good film. Michael Caine and Julie Walters. And Julie Walters was a middle-aged woman who had never done anything with her life. Never learned anything, never gone to school. And she gets to midlife and she starts to study and she starts to get an education, educating Rita. But her husband is a slob and he doesn't want her to advance. So every time she goes to college, she's coming home with books under her arm and he starts to verbally, abuse. oh, Professor Rita. Come in and sit down. He gets the kids lined up. We're going to have a lecture tonight from Professor Rita. That's verbal abuse. And you'll often see that from man to woman. The woman's made with that virtue, right? And she wants to aspire and help him up. And if a man doesn't want to move, if he's insistent on standing still, it often comes out in venom. It comes out in pulling the woman down. And trying to stop her from shifting. And that's an awful situation. We had many situations just like this in our church in Ireland. About three on the go at the same time. Sad, see? Because a man feel threatened by a woman who starts to grow. The man can often feel threatened by that, particularly spiritually. And so all he can do, and he'll say, oh, I was just making a joke. <laughs> it's not a joke. I was just being sarcastic. It's not sarcasm. It's a much worse thing than any of that. It's holding a person back spiritually instead of going with them. So watch the warning signs. Be careful, not just to see them, but to respond to them. Don't be foolish. Recognize what's going on and what a person is really like. Commandment number six. Thou shalt be willing to say that I got it wrong right up until you arrive at the altar. Hopefully you won't leave it that late. But you need to be that serious about it. Thou shalt be willing to say this is the wrong person and not to marry them right up until the last moment. It is better that you turn around here than you carry that through. Much, much, much better. Just go. And you need to be willing to let it go. And the trouble is, you see, we have emotional investment in people. And then we find it hard to, to pull back from that. People don't do this. Look at me, please, this is serious stuff. So you've been dating this guy, have you? Six months, is it? You've been out with this girl, have you? So now all of a sudden it's got serious. He's asked you to marry him, she's asked you to whatever. <laughs> now what are you gonna do? Oh, I just have to go with the flow. You need to be careful. You need to stop a minute. And always be willing to say, I've got it wrong. But you know what? Many people don't do it. They don't do it for these reasons. Because they say, I'm going to get hurt. That's right, you are. You are going to get hurt. It is going to hurt. But it's a lesser hurt than if you go through with it, get married, you marry the wrong person. They're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. People don't do it because they've got low self-esteem. If all I've got in my pocket is 50 pence, I need to think before I give that away, you know? That's all I've got. And if the only person who you feel loves you, if that person you're saying I have to give that away, that's a big decision, but it can be the right decision at that time. Sometimes you've got to let stuff go to receive the better. People don't go through with this because they think they don't deserve any better. Well, this is what God's got for me. It's sort of like the kind of like the guy I wanted, a bit. She's sort of like the woman, I think. Sort of like what I was praying for. Anyway, I don't deserve any better than this, do I? Do you know what? God has got a plan for you beyond your wildest dreams. And God will always choose for you a wife that you would never, ever choose for yourself. So much higher so much better. Such is the nature of sin that it causes such a low self-esteem in people. The major problem. And you can see it in their choices. You can tell a lot by a person by looking at her husband or his wife. A very great deal. You can tell what they think of themselves, you see, because of their choice. But if you leave that, God thinks so much of you that if you will only get your hands off and let him do the choosing, you will be shocked and stand back and say, my God, I do not deserve to marry this person. My wife said that, she didn't deserve to marry me. (laughs) It's a joke. (laughs) You do not deserve to marry this person. God has got someone for you, a plan beyond your dreams. It depends how willing you are to let go of the silver to get the gold. Come on. You know in South Africa they have the pineapple plantations? And the pineapple's up in the trees there, and the monkeys come along, and the monkeys climb up, and they steal, and they eat, and it kills the crop. And the way they deal with that, they get great big earthenware pots, heavy, heavy pots you can't pick up. And monkeys like nuts more than pineapples. So the monkey comes along, smells the p- nuts, looks at the p- I'll have the nuts, puts his hand in the pot, scoops up the nuts, can't get his hand out, because they've made it too small. Can't let go. If only let go, you could go. And the farmers come along with their guns and their clubs, and the monkey will not let go. (laughs) And they're screaming, but they just don't seem to have it in them, just to let it go and leave. Can't walk away. And poof, they're cold. It's a tough thing in life to let things go when you haven't got much or you feel you haven't got much. And for all these reasons, people don't get themselves out of relationships that they shouldn't have got themselves into in the first place. They'll get hurt. They've got low self-esteem. It's all I deserve anyway. I'm not looking for anything better. It's what I know. It's what I know. It becomes a comfort zone for people because it's what they become familiar with. Oh, we've been going together now for three years. It's what I know. I'm comfortable with this. That's not a reason to get married. Just because you've become over-familiar. You can't build your life on that. These are serious things. Commandment number seven. Don't rush, but bring it to the church in a hurry. Don't rush any relationship. And I would say to you, talk to the pastor of the church you're in immediately. Immediately. You see a guy, you see a girl that you fancy, or you think something's going down, you talk to that pastor same day. Go to them, tell them, look, you know, I'm feeling that this could be a possible relationship. What do you think? And please listen to me on this. (laughs) Have you any idea how much, generally speaking, pastors know about members? A lot more than you. (laughs) A lot more than you. All sorts of things. Sometimes you just get feelings you don't know, you know? But often you know an awful lot. And you could do, save yourself a lot of grief. You see, too often people come to me and say, December the 2nd, the 4th of April. They've set the date. This is so-and-so, and we want the 4th of April. <laughs> Who's he? <laughs> and they come fait complete. Uh, no, 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 you know, consultation. Marriage guidance is not once you've set the date, friends. The marriage guidance that takes place between you and the potential partner, the potential spouse is way before that. So that someone else can fire the hard questions and tease out issues that you will never dream up. Things that must be asked. So before you start setting dates, before you start any of that stuff, You need to go all the way through the marriage guidance and the counsel, and listen to everything and then you can start talking about the M word, marriage, right? It's too soon, far too much of a rush. Commandment number six, slow down, slow down. This is a lifelong decision. Take your time and come through this properly. So bring it to the church in a hurry. Tell the pastor as quickly as possible or your discipler and they can talk it through. It's it's a great, great need. If you stick within the confines of those very sensible boundaries, you'll be okay. If you don't invest too much in the person, if you don't give your heart over too quickly, too rapidly, and you stand your guard, don't touch, and you grow in love, you walk in love and grow in love, God sees what you do. He'll see you right the way through that. And you can have a healthy, balanced, normal marriage. Right? And that's what we need to come out the other end with. So I I, please, I, I, I plead with you, don't go the way of the world. Too many people just get taken off by this relationship or that. Now, that's okay for those of you who are single and those of you who are going to be dating. But those of you who are married, of which is about half of this congregation, What about you? (laughs) You say, my dating days are over. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But there's many different types of marriage here. There's many very healthy marriages, praise the Lord. There's a few sick marriages, a few right marriages, a few wrong marriages, a few very damaged marriages. There's some people hanging on by a thread, just about making it. And you would say this morning, what about me? Turn to Genesis. Genesis chapter 50. Take a look at this. This is what I would say to you. Genesis chapter 50, the last chapter, verse 19. This is when Joseph had met his brothers again at the end of his life. He's just about to die. And remember, the brothers wanted to kill him and everything else. And this is after that all happened. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. To those of you who are married, listen, those of you who are married, whether your relationship is good, bad, whether you're just holding on by a thread, look at those words. Don't be afraid. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Whatever your situation, there's people here going through divorce, people here already divorced, people here in in harrowing and hard situations. And I say to you this morning, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. But lift your eyes to the hills. Look up to God. Do you know what what Joseph is saying there? This is a fantastic circumstance. The brothers, look, the brothers did terrible things. They tried to kill Joseph. And all these years have gone by. And they're at the end of their lives. Joseph's just about to die, actually. And Joseph has come a long way in life. And he stands at this end. Before his death. And guess what? Life has changed them all. The bumps, the bad bits, the good bits, it's changed them. It's altered them to the point where Joseph is able to say, Hey, you who tried to kill me, come here and speak kindly to them. You intended to hurt me, but God overseen our whole lives. And God can work everything together for good in the end. He says the same thing that Paul ends up saying. All things can work together for good for those who will turn their hearts over to God. Look, let me ask you a question. What is the main purpose of marriage? We could have had polygamy. We could have had 50 wives. We could have had communism. God could have instituted any number of systems, but he didn't. God chose the one man, one woman system called marriage. Why did he choose that? What's the purpose of it? Say, well, to populate the earth. Fine, that's not the central purpose. To avoid temptation, 1 Corinthians. That's right, but it's not the central purpose. The central purpose of marriage is very simple. It's to make you like Jesus Christ. It's about Christ-likeness. And nothing will change you more than marriage. Nothing. Nothing on earth. Nothing will cause you more joy And nothing will cause you more pain. Nothing will take more from you. And nothing will give more to you. I need God more in my marriage than I ever, 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 ever do for my ministry. A thousand times more. And I have learned more through being married than I ever have learned in ministry. It's a completely different world. Let me tell you a mistake I made. Husbands, listen to me. When we got married, I was a full-time pastor. I had no money. I was working in Dublin and I took Jeanette out for a cup of coffee one day and I sat down and I had done what the best I could do for our future plans. And I sat her down, I said, look, as a pastor, sometimes I get paid, sometimes I don't. And I can't offer you this or promise you this, that and the other. I just can't do that. It's not possible in this job. So what I want us to do, would you make a commitment to me that together you and I will sacrifice for the kingdom. So you, we'll get married, but I can't promise you anywhere to live. I can't promise you this, I can't promise you that. All I can do is promise you I'll serve the Lord and would you make that sacrifice with me because you're gonna have to suffer in this too. And she says, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> See, so we got married. Now, it took, it took, About two years of an awful lot of grief and poverty stricken, (laughs) we had nothing. I was thinking, God, what on earth have I got wrong here? Before the penny drops. I have got no right to bring that proposal to my wife. I have got no right whatsoever. My job when I'm married is to lay my life down for my wife. That's my job. And I'm not exempt because I'm a full-time pastor. It doesn't make, in fact, I should be an example because I'm a full-time pastor. And I'm sorry for what I did in that commitment because it was a false commitment. I was putting ministry, actually, before my relationship to my wife. And I don't think God was very impressed. It may have looked good. It may have sounded good. But ultimately, God's ear turned and said, excuse me, a husband should love his wife as Christ loved the church. And right now, Mr. McKeever, you're loving ministry more than your wife. Now, sort it out. It took me a long time to understand that. I need to honor my wife. I need to lay my life. Do you know Jesus said this one day? If any man does not hate his father, mother, mother, Brother, sister, more than me, he is not worthy of me, not wife, not wife. He didn't say wife because in another part of the scripture, he says, Husbands, lay your lives down for your wife, love your wife, right? He didn't include it. And the wife, remember when Abraham was called to leave his family, not his wife. He wasn't called to leave Sarah. Sarah would have gone with him. There's an important point here, husbands, (laughs) and if you get it, it'll help your marriage. You are to love your wife. You're to put her first. You're to provide for her. And I'm not exempt because I'm a minister. And any of you, you're not exempt. I've got to serve her. And God's more interested in that than he is anything else. When I get to the judgment seat, there'll be this big thick book with Jeanette written on the spine. (laughs) And then there'll be this little thin book with my ministry written on it. Because God will be saying, do you know what, Michael? Do you know who you are? Do you know the real you? It's not this one. It's not the one on the platform. The real you is the one with your wife, alone, at home. How you look after her. That's you, actually. And that's the you that I'm going to start to judge. How you cared for her. And Jesus has taught me very patiently, to be a better husband. I'll give you an example of the practical lesson that I got taught not long ago. We were in Liverpool and everything got messed up. I was extremely busy. We were moving to Dublin. The furniture van was coming in like a week's time and we had nowhere to move to. We had no home to go to in Dublin. It was a catastrophe for me. And I came back home. I'd gone on the ferry over to Ireland to, to get a house as quickly as possible. So I'm leaving and I say, Jeanette, you better pray because we've got nowhere to live. I'm going, right? And she comes out and she says, oh, 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 listen, do you know the type of house I want? I want a house with a window over the bed, a, a, a skylight window that looks up so we can lie in bed at night and look up at the stars. That went down well with me. <laughs> so I can't remember what I said. But do you know what I said? I said something very dismissive like, what? <laughs> about stars and windows and roofs we'll be lucky to get a tent what are you thinking about I said we're going into ministry woman what's wrong with you we're going to ministry what you? and of course listen do you know what she does oh it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's all right just drop it didn't really need it so I get on the ferry and I'm confused we don't have anywhere to live and my phone rings and it's a person I know in Dublin saying, there is a house that's not on the market, but I think I can get it for you. And they booked an appointment for me for that day, one o'clock. I turned up at that house. They showed me around. We went up into the upstairs bedroom. There's the window, overlooking. And they, 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 the woman even turned to me and said, you can lie in bed at night and look up at the stars. <laughs> now, my, my point is, listen, my point is this who provided the window Aww. God and I'm impatient you see and I'm running off to Dublin t- Jeanette come on hurry up you are slow <laughs> come on we have got ministry to do and she's over in Liverpool she's talking to somebody talking <laughs> talking to Jesus and as I began my journey back I suddenly realized that Jesus had something to say to me. It was a bit like a headmaster situation. You, come in and sit down. I like a scolded schoolboy. And Jesus really dealt with me and I needed dealing with. He says, what did your wife ask for? What did she ask for? She asked for a window in the roof, floor. And what did you do? I ignored it. Why? Because I'm selfish, Lord. (laughs) Because I'm selfish, I'm letting myself off the hook, I'm trying to take the easy route, and that's not acceptable, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for teaching me how to be a husband. And I've learned this, friends. Do you know what? If I don't meet her needs, Jesus does. If I fail, in my role, to provide for my wife, to do whatever for he does it for me. But he doesn't want to. He wants me to learn from him and to, to grow in being a husband and everything that a husband should be. And that has been, because I'm selfish. I'm focused on ministry. But to be honest, I'm just telling you the truth. I don't believe it's acceptable. A man ought to lay his life down for his wife then I'll talk to you about your ministry. I know that might be hard for some of you to swallow, but I have no biblical mandate other than that, what it says in Ephesians. And when that's in place, then I'm honoring God within that relationship. Then we can focus on what we do. Okay? Next week, we're going to continue looking at love in you, how you function in it, how it works. So please stay in prayer and stay safe, especially those of you who are dating. Please take home those principles and put them into operation. Praise God. Thank you for watching today's program. I hope you have been blessed and edified by what you've seen and heard. Folks, you can see how important it is for the teaching of God's Word to get out to the nations. I want to invite you to do something very significant for your life, and that is to become a partner with us Here at Preparing the Way, you can go to our website there where you'll find a way in which you can join up with us and partner with us to take these essential teachings, essential truths out to the nations of the world. Thank you for watching and God bless you.